You're listening to coverage of the 2021 Convention of the American Council of the Blind. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, everybody. I'm very excited to present to you a session on streaming services and audio description on behalf of the American Council of the Blind and the Audio Description Project. Before we go too much into the uh, session, I want to talk a little bit about what the Audio Description Project is. The Audio Description Project is an advocacy committee within the American Council of the Blind where we advocate for audio description, and basically we want more of it and quality at audio description. Within the audio description project, we have several subcommittees. We have the section 508 committee shared by Pat Sheehan, which deals with audio description in government contracts and things like that. We have the media subcommittee, which I chair, which is deals with audio description and streaming, broadcast, television, cable, that sort of thing. We have a Beatty Committee, which stands for the benefit of audio description and education, where we try to educate kids in middle school and high school um, who are blind and visually impaired to learn about audio description and become young film critics through an essay contest we put on every year. We have a conference subcommittee, which is responsible for creating the content that we're going to talk about audio description at every conference. And we have an award subcommittee, which honors those who have contributed majorly in the field of audio description. The committee is made up of about 25 members. I, I do not have the time to thank them or the memory to thank them all. So I don't want to do any injustice to anybody. But however, I will recognize those who are staff and contractors within the audio description project. I want to thank Jolyn Bailey Page, who is our audio description coordinator, who keeps the audio description project running smoothly with all of our objectives and goals. Fred Brack, the audio description webmaster. Timothy Wynn, who gathers all the information from the five uh, cable networks and the four broadcast channels that are required to do 87 and a half hours of audio description per quarter and make sure you get that information and put it on the audio description website. And last but not least, Joel Snyder, who founded the Audio Description Project and is our founder and senior consultant for the Audio Description Project. Our website, for those who are interested, we just changed our URL, is adp.acb.org. That's adp.acb.org. It's got a lot of valuable information from what's available on all the streaming services that we'll be talking to tonight, to what's on television on a daily basis, what's playing in the movie theater, what performing art centers and venues in your state offer audio description, to articles about audio description. So I highly recommend you check it out. Also, for those of you who have registered for the conference, we have put on a lot of information about audio description this week. We started Friday with the best picture nomination, uh, no, the best picture winner, excuse me, of Nomadland. And I want to thank Nomadland, and I want to thank Disney for giving us permission to air that over ACB radio. 
We did one on Saturday on museum, which was fascinating, and one on performing arts. And we have a few more this week. One will be on the national parks on Wednesday. Tomorrow there will be one on podcast about audio description. And on Thursday, this is the one I'm looking forward to, will be one on how do you write and voice about diversity when it comes to audio description in today's environment. And on Friday, I don't know, some some small company named NBC Universal has given us permission to rebroadcast the Olympic opening ceremony with audio description. So please definitely tune into all those sessions. If you missed any of them, all of them, probably with the exception of the Friday opening ceremony, will be available as a podcast. So streaming services. Why are we doing a panel on streaming services tonight? Well, that's because really all the action is there, even though they're not mandated by the 21st Century Video Accessibility Act, Communications and Accessibility Act. That's where most of the audio description is now being created today. And all the services seem to be fully committed to providing an accessible, inclusive platform for us to view audio description. Tonight, we will be talking to representatives from Apple, Amazon, Disney, Hulu, HBO, Netflix, Paramount Plus, and Peacock. The fact that they're all on this panel tells me two things. One, they are definitely committed to providing audio description, audio description in an accessible manner. And two, that they consider us valuable partners in helping them to achieve their goals of doing so. So that that's hugely valuable. And I can't thank all the participants on this panel enough. As a deafblind individual myself with a degree in film, when I started losing dip, uh, my vision and started having difficulty in watching movies and TV, what audio description did was give me my love of film and television back. And when I was a young man dating my girlfriend who later became my wife, it allowed us to go on dates and simply enjoy each other's company rather than her stressing out whether I was enjoying the movie and trying to overcompensate for my lack of not being involved in, in, in the movie. So it, I can't tell you what a difference it has made in my life. And I want to thank each one of you individually before we get into this. Um, so before we go much further, for those of you who are joining or learning for the first time about audio description, what is audio description? Audio description is a, a means of describing key visual elements with voicing and narration of time, place, action, gesture, facial expression, key visual elements that you need to interpret and understand the television show or film you are watching. They do this in between gaps in dialogue so that it does not overlap the dialogue and it is incredibly helpful. You can access with all of these streaming services audio description in a number of ways. One is through your internet browser. You can simply go to whatever the URL of each streaming service is and, and access and log in and access the content that way. Most, if not all of these streaming services also have an app that you can watch either on your smart television, your Android device or tablet or iPhone or uh, tablet. And the last way you can access this is through a streaming device 
whether it be the Apple TV, the Fire Stick, the Roku, the Chromecast, that's another way to access it. And they all have um, screen reader technology built into it. And in some cases, magnification and inverse colors for those with low vision. So that's just a quick overview. Now we're going to be talking to each of the panelists individually. And at the end, we're going to talk to them first and let them talk about what they're providing in terms of accessibility and streaming and audio description. At the very, very end, we will allow time for questions. And if you have any questions, you can email them at questions, that's question plural, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S, at acb.org. Again, that's questions at acb.org. First, I would like to start with Thomas Lakowski. He is the Vice President of Accessibility at Comcast. Comcast was the first one to come up with an accessible cable television box with the use of voice guidance. And in 2019, he also developed an assistive remote control for those with uh, Lou Gehrig's disease to an internet application that allowed them to use the remote control with eye movement which got lots of recognition and was even noted in Time Magazine. Tom has worked in his whole career to make the internet, broadcast, television, mobile technology accessible to all. Before being at Comcast, he was the director of accessibility at AOL and even worked at the media access group at WGBH in Boston in captioning and descriptive video services. And he worked with a young marketing representative who might be responsible for Tom's success today. I wonder who that is. Am I supposed to comment on that, Carl? Or, or... No, no, I'm just kidding. Tom, Tom and I used to be co-workers. <laughs> I was just trying to be funny, but it didn't come out that way. <laughs> no, I thought it was funny. Well, thanks, Carl. And um... Hello, everybody, and nice to be with you uh, again on this description panel and uh, uh, get to talk about streaming services this time, but um, don't tell anyone I'm going to throw in a couple of things uh, around the uh, broadcast and cable side because based on working with me for as long as we did, Carl knows that I never quite follow the rules whenever, uh, whenever it comes to it. So um, first things first, I want to talk about Peacock. Uh, Peacock is the new, new streaming service from NBC Universal. Uh, it launched officially on July 15th in 2020, so just past its first year. Um, Xfinity customers may recall seeing it show up on X1 and Flex uh, back in April of 2020. It was kind of a pre-launch as we were working through the product. And want to talk a little bit about uh, audio description and where you can find the audio description. Um, so the, the idea behind Peacock, as I said, is it, it's NBC Universal streaming service. It offers a world-class slate of exclusive originals, both scripted and unscripted, uh, on-demand libraries of hit TV shows and critically acclaimed films from the vaults of Universal Pictures DreamWorks Animation, uh, Focus Features, and uh, many other Hollywood studios as well. So uh, audio description is something that is very important to Comcast NBC Universal as a whole. As Carl mentioned, uh, today we have hundreds of episodes of original and uh, non-original uh, non or, or you know, repurposed uh, TV and shows and movies available with audio description. 
uh, and you can access uh, the description through the media player. Uh, currently, uh, we have our four major apps are on the Fire TV platform, uh, Vizio Smart TV, Samsung Smart TV, and Xfinity's X1 and Flex products. Uh, we are working to improve usability of the iOS app and the Android app and uh, the web app uh, for desktop browsers. Uh, so, so today the best experience is on those four uh, TV platforms and you'll see usability of the remaining apps improve over time. As I mentioned, there are hundreds of episodes today available with audio description and we will add and continue to add more through the end of this year and, and beyond. Uh, and so the commitment really is to all of the scripted original series certainly will have audio description. Many of the unscripted original series will, will also have audio description. And then the content that we uh, purchase from other programmers uh, where that content has audio description, uh, it will be available uh, on our service as well. So some of the highlights to think about here uh, coming up, um, you know, with the Olympics is a big week for us here at, at Xfinity and, and Comcast NBC Universal. The Olympics in Tokyo start on Friday, uh, 23rd. Uh, and we're going to do some interesting programming in partnership with ACB for the closing night of, of the convention. Uh, we're going to actually stream the opening ceremonies with live audio description, the primetime coverage of the opening ceremonies to the ACB uh, convention platform. So Zoom, uh, ACB radio, and other, other channels that uh, you might use to uh, participate in the convention. Uh, there's gonna be an exciting pre-Olympics show that I know uh, Clark Rutschfeld and Kim Charlson and others are, are planning. Um, and so we would urge you to uh, tune in for that and, and join us for that, that night. But the, the exciting part is all of the uh, primetime coverage on NBC of the Olympics will be available with live audio description. This year, there's a hashtag, hashtag NBC Olympics A11Y. So that will get us or get you uh, near real time uh, access. So if there's something that's not working for you uh, with getting the audio description, et cetera, uh, use that hashtag and um, we will be monitoring that. And as quickly as we can, we'll, we'll work to address the feedback and hopefully you won't have any issues and you'll just be able to use that hashtag and talk about audio description on the Olympics this year provided by Descriptive Video Works. So that's the opening closing ceremonies plus the primetime coverage on NBC, the broadcast network. Peacock is going to stream the closing ceremonies with live audio description, plus the men's basketball gold medal game as well. So there's some coverage there uh, coming up. You can also get the Olympics uh, content with audio description at NBCOlympics.com. And there's a media player there. You'll have two links. One will start the show without description. One will start the show with description. Uh, so you have many different ways. And of course on Xfinity, you can check it out through X1 and Flex or through the stream mobile app or web app. So 
that's kind of the update uh, for, for now from us on the streaming side. Uh, Peacock's off to a great start. Uh, hundreds of episodes available with audio description today. More on the way, and it'll continue to grow over time. Uh, big focus on adding audio description to scripted and unscripted original series, plus other content that we purchase and acquire from other partners. Uh, the platforms, again, are currently available. Uh, and the easiest way to get at the content is on the X1 and Flex platform, Samsung Smart TV, Vizio Smart TV, uh, and uh, Fire TV. And then, of okay. course, all of the Olympics uh, information that I just provided. If you have any, uh, any questions, happy to take them at the end of the panel. I'll turn it back to Carl. Well, Tom, you, the rest of the folks have to wait to the end, but you don't get off that easy with me. I do have oh. a few questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have to go. Um, there's a free service and a paid service of Peacock, correct? Yeah, there's an, uh, a, there is a premium service, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there a, so how much audio description is available on the free service versus the premium service? Is there a difference? It's really about the uh, advertising, which is kind of, you know, the, the, the premium service, obviously, uh, less ads, those types of things. So all of all of the content that I mentioned uh, would be available uh, in in both uh, the premium and the, the free service. Okay. And how much is the premium service? I need to get back to you on that one, Carl. I think That's it's $5 a month, but let me um, double check that. Well, I just really wanted to make people more aware that the free service has ads and the premium service has either left or no ads, correct? And they That's both correct. offer audio description. That's all. I just wanted the people to know that. Right. And Xfinity customers uh, are getting the uh, the premium as part of their as part of their X1 and Flex uh, okay. service today. And you also offer a, for internet only customers, don't you also offer an accessible streaming device? So that's the Flex product that I've talked about, right? And so that is really where we're becoming the aggregator of aggregators for content. Uh, and so, you know, it is no additional charge and you get all of the different apps that we have on the platform, everything from Peacock to Hulu to Netflix to HBO Max to you know Spotify, Pandora, etc. Now, accessibility of some of those apps does vary. Um, of course, everyone on this panel uh, who represents those companies is making their apps accessible. Um, but uh, you know that's that's you know no different than downloading an app from one of the mobile app stores. Uh, you know, you just want to, uh, you know, we don't control, obviously we encourage, strongly encourage partners to make their apps accessible, but it is, it is the responsibility of the app provider themselves to, to make their experience as accessible as possible. And I'm only going to ask you this because it's going to come up with another vendor on this, another streaming service on this panel near the end. Currently, in terms of audio description, are you using any text-to-speech at all? For, for the voice of the narration? Currently, it's the traditional method of adding uh, or, or producing audio descriptions. So it has a human narrator, um, but certainly we are committed to innovation and would look to, in the future, find ways of making audio description as uh, efficient and widely available as possible. And, you know, text-to-speech could be one solution that that's pursued. I think 
you know, we've talked about this in the past, Carl, I think, you know, there are ways that uh, industry has to look to be able to deliver more content faster. Uh, and certainly, you know, technology uh, solutions like text-to-speech um, may help there. Okay, thank you. Next, we have Paramount Plus, who is also one of the newer players in the, well, they've actually provided audio description for shows, their original, such as Star Trek Discovery and Picard, but recently they've expanded their commitment to audio description and that they are now adding uh, audio description to many of their movies and shows from CBS, and they have expanded their catalog greatly. Martha Heller is the vice president of CBS Viacom, the vice president of Govern Governmental Affairs and Regulatory Council for the CBS Viacom. She represents CBS Viacom in dealing with the federal government agencies such as the FCC. Uh, welcome, Martha. Oh, wait a minute. And before that, she worked for the FCC as media bureau chief and also as a leader in the enforcement uh, division and also acted as an advisor to Commissioner Clyborne. Thank you, Carl. That was nice. And um, uh, it's, thank you for including me on this panel. It's really nice to be here with everyone tonight. Uh, so I'll start with just a little bit of um, background about Paramount Plus, since uh, as Carl mentioned, it is uh, the newest uh, streaming service on this panel tonight, um, at least in its current iteration. So um, Paramount Plus was launched uh, just this year in March. So it's been in existence um, just about over four months now. Um, but uh, it's important to um, realize that um, Paramount Plus was launched as uh, a rebranding and a significant expansion of our predecessor uh, streaming service, which was CBS All Access. I'm sure many of you are familiar with that. So um, with the merger of Viacom and CBS, which was completed just at the very end of 2019, there was really a, a great opportunity to expand the streaming service with content from uh, a wider variety of our brands and services across the company. So Paramount Plus um, today uh, continues, uh, of course, to include great content from uh, CBS, but also with uh, a number of our other um, prominent brands, such as, uh, for example, MTV and Nickelodeon and um, movies from Paramount Pictures as well. And so uh, with all of that, um, it includes uh, a, an expansive library of original content, um, which uh, as Carl mentioned, and I'll touch on that a little bit more in just a minute, um, and existing shows from the library of our other brands across the company, of course, the movies, and um, as well as uh, some live sports and breaking news. So it's a really comprehensive service. Um, and the last thing that I'll mention, just because it's a little bit of a unique aspect of Paramount Plus, which is that um, it also enables subscribers, if, if depending on which plan they choose, uh, it enables subscribers to also stream 
their local CVS affiliate stations as well on the service. So that's, that's Paramount Plus and what it has um, in terms of content generally. Um, turning to uh, accessibility, I'll say that um, the Paramount Plus uh, development team has been hard at work um, incorporating accessibility features um, and um, with uh, a large emphasis on audio description. So I really appreciate uh, Carl, what you said uh, about your recognition that um, we've really expanded the library of options that include description. So um, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more. I want to kind of break it down into three different categories. Um, the first of which is our um, original programming. Uh, and um, this has been, you know, where uh, we've really placed a big priority in terms of uh, audio description. And um, as of right now, basically all of the original shows um, and original content on Paramount Plus has audio description available. So that was a goal of the company to, to make pretty much all of that accessible to the blind and low vision community. And it includes as of um, right now, about 26 different TV shows that are original and exclusive to Paramount Plus. So um, including um, uh, Carl, well, of course you mentioned our, the ever popular Star Trek content. So there's the uh, Star Trek Discovery and two other uh, series that are uh, original to Paramount Plus. Um, some other uh, salient examples include the uh, show Why Women Kill, um, there's the show Evil, uh, The Good Fight, which is a spin-off of The Good Wife from CBS, um, and also some uh, great kids content in there um, that stems from uh, Nickelodeon. So there's originals, uh, for example, among many others, um, Rugrats and Camp Coral. So this is... Um, this is an area where we're going to, you know, we're continuing commitment as we create more original shows for the platform. Our goal is to continue to have all of that have description included. And then the second bucket that I wanted to mention is uh, CBS content. Um, and I hope that um, many of you know um, that uh, the CBS Broadcast Network has had a really particularly strong commitment to accessibility and especially to audio description over many years. And um, an example of that that I, I think is a good illustration is that, you know, there was a long period when the FCC's original uh, then called video description rules were struck down in federal court and there were no rules on the books for, you know, nearly a decade. And throughout that period, uh, CBS continued on a voluntary basis to, to offer uh, described programming on the network. And so that is um, something that is a great baseline for Paramount Plus as well, um, and um, gives us a great way to expand the library of content that's available. So currently, um, all of the um, CBS content from the current seasons that is being described on uh, over the air TV 
are also described on Paramount Plus. And in addition to that, there is um, a good library uh, of content from prior seasons that were described for um, over-the-air TV that are also available with uh, description on Paramount Plus. And I, I just want to emphasize here um, that this is all um, very much uh, a work in progress um, for us. Um, you know, and, and there's definitely more to come. There's going to, as I mentioned, be a continued um, commitment to um, the original content, as well as, you know, a lot more that we're looking to add from our existing library that has audio description. So definitely um, be on the lookout for more to come. Um, and then last bucket that I wanted to talk about for a minute is uh, Paramount Movies because there's some good news to share um, here as well. So um, currently there's over a hundred movies, Paramount movies available on Paramount Plus that also have audio description available. And again, um, this is a work in progress for us. Um, we are looking to add a lot more on a continuing basis. So there's already, um, you know, dozens more that are in the queue to be added to Paramount Plus. Um, and, and just while we're talking about movies, I did want to call out one example in particular, which I think is, is just a good one um, and also a timely one, which is uh, A Quiet Place Part Two, uh, which is a Paramount movie that um, just became available on Paramount Plus last week after it uh, completed its run in the theater. And so now um, both uh, the original uh, A Quiet Place Part One, I guess, if you call it that, and uh, Part Two are available with description on Paramount Plus and um, really with description that's received some good recognition, I think, for the high quality of um, the acting and the writing. Uh, I watched it uh, just this past weekend with the audio description running and I'm certainly not as much as, of an expert as, as many of you are, but um, I thought it really um, came across well and was um, good quality. And the other reason why I just wanted to call out the example of A Quiet Place two, uh, Part Two is because um, you know beyond the accessibility features in the movie itself, um, it's also gotten some great recognition for its representation uh, of disability within the storyline. And in particular, um, the movie received um, just recently the Ruderman Family Foundation's Seal of Authentic Representation uh, which is an award that recognizes uh, movies and TV shows that feature actors with disabilities. And so um, anyone who's familiar with uh, these movies at all will know that this is for uh, the major role that Millicent Simmons, who, who is um, herself a, a deaf actress, um, plays in the movies. And so, um, you know, I just think it's... Uh, uh, a really good um, example um, because beyond the um, uh, commitment that it shows to making our content 
accessible to people with disabilities, just from a pure um, diversity standpoint, the importance of representing um, people with disabilities within our content itself. So um, uh, if, you, if you can stomach a scary movie, uh, I definitely recommend that you, that you check it out. If you can't stomach a scary movie, then definitely don't. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, it's a great movie. Um, so that's, that's pretty much what I wanted to cover on the content side. Just from the um, technical side, I also just wanted to make one point, which is that um, uh, thanks to some really hard work from our development team in these early stages, um, Paramount Plus is available with audio description on the full slate of platforms and devices on which it's available. So basically, anywhere that you can, um, any device on which you can access Paramount Plus, you can get the audio description enabled as well. Thank you, and um, Carl, you, you gonna go easier on me than Tom, or? Well, I do have a couple of <laughs> questions. Um, so first of all, you mentioned that if I were a Paramount Plus premium customer that I can also watch CBS being streamed live. Is there anything on your roadmap to also carry over the SAP signal so I could watch a show live with audio description? Oh, okay. Well, I have to check into that. So just a thought. No, I, I knew the answer was probably not right now, but maybe that might be something to put on the roadmap. Okay. If you're streaming your network live that already has audio description, why not also enable it for us to watch it with audio description? Okay, I guess that is an excellent question, Carl. I guess I was, um, that's one thing I haven't looked at and I was assuming that that's the way it worked, that all of the um, accessibility features that are available when you're watching over the air. Um, it may be, but I haven't heard so. Yeah, yeah, so are you saying you haven't, you don't, you just don't know. I would, I, I'm assuming that it is enabled already, but I I'm happy to check into that. That's a Okay, great thank you. Um, you also offer a free service and a premium service, just like Peacock, is that correct? Uh, no, we are slightly different in that we have two um, subscription-only tiers. Um, one that is um, for four ninety. since I know you're going to ask me about the price next, so I think I've got that. Um, one that is uh, $4.99 a month, and that is uh, similar to Peacock. That is an ad-supported um, uh, version of the service. Um, and also it does not include um, the full live streams of the affiliates. And then the premium service um, uh, does include the live streams and um, that one is $9.99. And again, since I asked this to Tom, Currently at this time, I believe you only use human voice narrators. Are there any plans on the roadmap to potentially use text-to-speech? Well, that's correct. Right now we don't. And um, you know, we don't have any um, immediate plans to do so. Um, but I would say that uh, you know, my answer is, it, to that is, is similar to what Tom said, which is that um, it is something that we're looking at. Um, and in part because um, not as so much as a replacement for um, the live voice version of description, 
Um, but as a way to possibly expand the amount of description that we have available on something like Paramount Plus. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's um, the quality is improving. Um, there, um, it's, it's certainly um, quicker than doing the um, traditional way. And it's, and it's less expensive. So I think it is, you know, something that we're just looking at down the road as something that, you know, potentially could um, offer more content with description available. Okay, thank you. Next, we have Allison Smith from Network, uh, Netflix, I'm sorry, who is the Global Innovation Manager. Globalization Innovation Manager. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time remembering everybody's bio tonight. So I'm gonna make it up as I go along. <laughs> no, the only thing I can remember is that you were responsible for providing, uh, you came up with the quality control process for subtitling, which um, helped your globalization initiatives around the world, that you have a degree in neurolinguistics, and that you formerly worked at um, National Geographic as head of the translation department. I know there were a lot of things in there about systematic approaches and quality control and quantitative analysis, but I, I can't remember how they fit to your bio. So, um, but but you're basically oversee the accessibility components of Netflix. Netflix was the first streaming service to do audio description. So I wanna recognize them for doing that back in 2016 with the first show I believe was Daredevil and they've been at it for a while. And so, um, and I read somewhere recently that as much as 33% of your content has audio description. Thanks so much, Carl, for that introduction. You did a great job remembering all of it. Um, I don't know the percentage of the content that we have available, but I do know that it's over 17,000 hours of content now available with audio description, which is something that we're immensely proud of. Um, and that does, I think that volume is a result of the fact that we've been working on this for years now. Um, we started, I think, you know, in 2013, Netflix launched its first original series. And that's when we really got serious about producing our own content, managing post-production processes and distributing that content ourselves. And so it was back all the way in 2014 that we started working on how we were gonna support audio description um, making sure that we had all the necessary pipelines in place. We were working with the best vendors and talent and studios out there in the world to create a really high class experience, um, or so, sorry, high quality experience um, for audio description. And we spent a lot of time working with folks in the ACB even or other advocacy groups um, and folks within the community to really understand what audio description is, how it should work, what makes up a really good quality experience um, and how we can make sure that we're getting that. And so we set up things like QC processes. Um, we've created our audio description style guide, which is publicly available on our website and even has a feedback form at the bottom of it. So that's really a living document that sets the expectations of what we're looking for within audio description. Um, and lately we've been, uh, starting to talk about some interesting new conversations about how do we make sure that our audio description is inclusive and describes race in a way that's appropriate and informative um, and, and you know doesn't hit on sensitivities and things like that. Um, and so that's very much a living document, something that we update from time to time and really use to set our vendors and all of the talent that works on creating these assets up for success. 
Um, so back in 2015, I think it was, we launched, um, unfortunately, we launched Daredevil, a show with that features a blind superhero without audio description, but we had been working really hard behind the scenes to create it. So that was um, a big learning moment for us to realize that we were sort of waiting to try and have a lot of content to put up all at once and make a splashy entrance into covering audio description. Um, but heard very loud and clearly from the community that this title absolutely should have audio description. And so we went ahead and launched that um, after that feedback. And then from there have really been just pushing into this, again, listening to feedback from the community, evaluating the different pieces of how our business works around accessibility to make sure that we have been constantly improving this. So at that point in time, we started with about a hundred shows. Um, and like I said, we are now up to about 17,000 hours of audio description. Um, and we're also proud that we're doing that in many languages so that folks around the world are able to access audio description. I think in the US, we have a long history of prioritizing accessibility and we wanna make sure that we're um, using everything that we've learned within the English speaking markets uh, to help support global accessibility. Let's see. Um, We've also been working really hard to make sure that our actual product, the app or, um, you know, the, the website that we use is also accessible, that it's, of course, compatible with voice readers, but not only that it should be accessible, but it should be a really nice experience that you should be able to search for content seamlessly, uh, find content that has audio description, select it very easily, and all of that. So we've been working on improving that and testing and iterating throughout our product. Um, we've done things like added an audio description tag and logo to the description page, which has all the information about a show or a movie um, to make it really clear that that's there. We also added a gallery, a catalog of all the titles that have audio description, so you can quickly navigate there. And then we've also added functionality to our search page, so you can search things like movies with audio description and get those results populated very quickly. And so giving lots of ways to find the content um, and then engage with it in a really rich way is, is something that we're constantly striving towards. Um, let's see, I think, so yeah, that's where we are today. I think we have a fairly accessible product. We have a lot of content that is accessible, um, but of course we're always continuously looking for ways to continue to improve our accessibility, to improve the overall experience. Um, and one of the main ways that we've done that in the past and will continue doing that is by getting feedback from this community. And so there's a number of ways that you can reach out to Netflix, um, I'll list three of them here. The first one I think is um, if as you're watching a content you notice, uh, like a show or a movie, you notice something that isn't quite right, we have a report a problem feature right in the playback experience where you can navigate there and you can report an issue about that content. And we do monitor that, we update um, assets, we change things and, and fix problems through that mechanism. We also have our customer service where you can either chat or talk on the phone to resolve any issues that you might be having with your device or if you just don't know how to use something. Um, that's a great way to get those kinds of issues resolved. And then we also have a corporate site, which is netflix.com slash accessibility, where you can give kind of more general feedback about the accessibility features on Netflix. So that's another great way to get in touch. Oh, and one fourth one, we also have a lot of articles online. If you're just wanting to troubleshoot on your own, that's a really great way to go about that. Um, and then let's see, Carl, I know you're probably going to ask me about text-to-speech. So <laughs> what, what, <laughs> Maybe. Whatever gave you that idea? 
it's a pattern forming. Um, so I will address that. I think, again, we're also really interested in any type of technology that can expand coverage and increase accessibility. Um, and so it's something that's pretty intriguing for us. I think the one thing we want to really investigate and take our time with is what's that experience like? Do members view it as a degraded experience or does it actually have some advantages? You know, there's sort of a hypothesis that synthetic voice might actually be beneficial um, when it's used in conjunction with another feature that we introduced recently, which was the playback speed controls. So if you're listening to content faster, the synthetic voice might actually be easier to listen to than the human voice recordings. Um, and so that's something we're kind of looking into. What are those trade-offs and how do we navigate making sure we're protecting that overall experience while trying to expand our coverage. Um, so lots to come there. So you said a couple of things. Um, one, you mentioned that you allow everybody to filter for titles by audio description. And I just want to point that out because um, I don't remember if any of the other services do, but I would hope that all the services on this panel tonight consider that as an option so that when, for instance, I won't watch anything that's not audio described. So if I land on something and it's not audio described, I'm not gonna watch it. So it would be nice if I had an ability to either filter by audio description, the blindness community, I mean, or within the description, just like you say, quote captions available if you also fed audio description. And I'm not talking about Netflix specifically, I'm just talking about all the streaming services as you mentioned. The other thing I've noticed, and I want to commend Netflix for doing it, that as I listen, I, I have gotten to know which narrators are who. And I've heard at least two blind and visually impaired narrators. And I want to commend you for having hired blind people in the creative process, which is meant for them. So that's to be commended, and I hope that that's something all the streaming services here consider, whether it be hiring them to voice, whether it be hiring them to edit, or whether it be hiring them to be quality control consultants to look at the writing or, or whatever. So that's just something as we create a more inclusive world. I also read recently, and I haven't had a chance to see this, but as a deaf-blind individual myself, in that I have a dual sensory loss that I'm blind and hard of hearing, I thought I read that Netflix was creating transcripts that had both closed captioning and audio description in it. Is that true? That is true. I believe it's only on a couple of titles. I know Crip Camp was one of them, and I think there's one other that's not coming to mind right away, but we did put a place on our product where you can access the um, I think we're calling it the descriptive transcript, which is, yeah, like a combination of the captions. Um, they're a little bit actually more verbatim than the captions because we don't have the same timing constraints that we would with um, subtitles or captions. Um, so they actually have like the full dialogue in there. And I think even with the descriptions, we were able to pull those out and make them more descriptive because again, we're not, we don't face the same constraints of fitting the descriptions in between the dialogue. Um, so again, trying to make sure that if we're going to provide an experience, it's going to be the best that it possibly can be given the medium and the format, but that is true that we're, we're starting to work on different, um, adding different aspects like assets, like descriptive transcripts. Well, I'm just uh, speaking of the person who is a member of the deafblind community, and I'm relatively in terms of low on the deafblind community in that I can still access film and television. If any of the folks on this panel created those types of transcripts, can you imagine giving access for the very first time in people's lives to entertainment content 
so that they know what other people are talking about. That's just something to think about. And I know I'm thrown in my own personal list as I talk to each one of you, but that's just something to think about moving forward for all of the panelists on this committee because the deaf blind are excluded from so much because it's hard. It's easy to fix it if you're just deaf or hard of hearing or just blind, but when you're both, it, it's definitely more challenging and time consuming. So that's just something to consider. So um, that's all I have for now. I, at the end, I have some general questions for all of you based on your comments, but for now, that's it. Next, we're gonna go to Hulu. Uh, and Melanie Goodman is the lead digital Supply chain specialist. She's been with Hulu for about nine years, and she is in charge of all accessible content for Hulu. She is also the founder of the A11Y Hulu uh, group, which is a resource group for people and employees with disabilities within Hulu. And before that, she was a live caption writer for Cornell uh, University. And for those who don't know what A11Y is, because we've mentioned that a couple of times, Tom mentioned it and I just did, it's a Twitter, um, it's a Twitter handle often used and A11Y stands for accessibility because between the letter A and Y, there are 11 characters uh, total in the word. There are 13 characters total, but there are 11 between the A and Y. So welcome, Melanie. Why don't you tell us about Hulu and audio description? Sure. Thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here for my first year um, and with all of my colleagues in this accessibility space. Um, so our mission at Hulu is to empower everyone to discover, share, and celebrate the stories that connect us. And ensuring that content is accessible is critical to that mission. Uh, so over the past few years, our team has done a tremendous amount of work, uh, both to expand our library of audio described content and also to increase the accessibility of the platform at large for screen reader users. Uh, to uh, improve access to movies and television for the blind and low vision community. So I wanted to call out a couple um, just general accessibility improvements as well that we've made around color contrast, text legibility, and focus dates, um, all of which make it easier and more intuitive to navigate everything from sign up to account management to watching your favorite show on the Hulu app. And then within the realm of audio description, it is available both on the Hulu website as well as on all of our applications across mobile and living room devices. Um, so anywhere that Hulu is available, audio description is available. Currently, it's supported um, just in English and through a stereo mix. Um, and you can actually filter on Hulu as well um, through a hub where all of our described content is in a single place. Um, so the web version of that, I'll give you the URL if you want to go to it directly, um, is www.hulu.com slash hub slash audio dash description. Um, and there is an equivalent hub in all of the other applications where you can access the audio description. Uh, currently, we've published over 1,800 episodes and movies with descriptive audio, and that consists of over 140 unique series and film titles. And those include some of our signature Hulu originals like The Handmaid's Tale and Little Fires Everywhere uh, and Run, as well as Next Day TV, like The Bachelor. Tell them about Run, because that's interesting. Yeah. So um, Run is a thriller uh, that's a Hulu original that features a wheelchair user um, as one of the lead characters. Um, and similarly to uh, Quiet Place, if you can stomach something with a little bit of uh, scariness to it, um, recommend. We're really proud of, of the attention that it's received around really authentic disability representation, um, featuring an actress who is disabled herself. Yeah. 
that would I that would amazing that you actually thought out a wheelchair user to play the part. Yeah, yeah, that's that's certainly an important component to the representation is making sure that it's authentic to the experience, um, whether through Ron or through Rami, um, which I recommend as well. Um, other content that we have, say going back to um, next day, we have Bachelorette, we have Snowfall. Um, on the movie side, you mentioned Nomadland already. Um, we also have one of my favorites, Pick of the Litter, uh, which if you want to watch a film about guide dogs is just absolutely delightful. Um, and we're working really closely with our partners across Disney at ABC and Fox uh, to add descriptive audio for hundreds of episodes of licensed content uh, over the next few months, including some kids' titles like Doc McStuffins and Gravity Falls. Um, so trying to make sure that we have great coverage there for a little bit of everything that you could possibly want. Going to be you to the punch on this question. Uh, in regard to Hulu Originals, we currently only accept audio descriptions that are read by human voice actors. Um, so we don't take auto-generated or speech-to-text um, at this time. And we do try to make sure that we have consistency in our voice talent across episodes and seasons of a series uh, to the extent possible. Um, similarly, as far as consistency goes, once you've set up descriptive audio on any of your Hulu uh, apps, it'll persist across that device. So if you set it up once on the web, anything that's available with descriptive audio will default to that going forward and make it really easy for you to, to make sure that that experience is ready to go. Um, and we also have some content that's available for offline downloading. And if a show or movie is downloadable and has audio description, you can go ahead and download the video with that setting enabled as well. Um, and then I wanted to call out um, that we do have a few different places that you can get help if you need accessing um, or have feedback on any of our audio described contents. Uh, of course, our general support aliases are always available and very responsive. Um, but we do have a dedicated support alias that is really intended for screen reader issues. Um, but I've gotten sort of an insider tip that if you have issues or feedback about descriptive audio, it'll get you to the right place um, and get you into the, the good hands to uh, provide assistance there. So that is screen-reader-feedback at hulu.com. Um, and the folks there will make sure that, you know, if you have any questions, um, about the descriptive audio experience or content availability um, or anything like that, they can give you a hand. Um, and we do also have a lot of support articles as well that can walk you through, uh, you know, just how to access content across all of your devices. Um, if you if you want to run through that yourself um, and get yourself set up, hopefully that covered most of it. But I'm sure you will still have some questions. <laughs> I do. So because Hulu is a conglomerate of a lot of sources. There are currently nine entities required under the CVAA to provide 87 and a half hours of audio description, the four broadcast networks and the five top cable rated networks. You have most of those nine entities on your service. Is Hulu trying to develop partnership with those entities? Because your catalog would explode exponentially if you also got the audio description packet at the same time you got the show delivered. Yeah, absolutely. So we are working with all of our partners across um, networks to try to get audio description wherever it's available. Um, there are sometimes challenges in terms of just content delivery with those different partners um, that we're continuing to navigate uh, to make sure that we 
can can get those moving forward. Um, but those are conversations that are always happening. And whenever we bring in new partners, we're continuing to have those conversations early um, to let folks know that we're interested in getting content wherever it's available. The other thing is you also have, if you have the premium service, you also have live television cam- components. So I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked um, Martha. Have have there been potentially any ideas to put on the roadmap to carry over the FAP for those who are watching it live? It's a great question. Um, I am more involved in the video on demand side, so I don't want to speak definitively to that. Um, I'm not aware of anything right now, but um, certainly I think that would be a feature that we would want to consider if if not doing so already. I'll put it on the, my wish list. <laughs> I will make a wish list just for you. Okay. You also mentioned that currently that everything's in stereo in English. Are there plans to maybe do? And I would ask this of all the streaming services had I thought of it. uh, The blindness community would love to see audio description at the same high level quality that the primary audio is audio is, say, surround sound with Dolby Atmos. uh, And I'm not, you don't have to answer that. I'm just because you already said it isn't at this time, but I would ask all the streaming services that's something to consider because what audience more than a blind audience, which is very audio based and that's how they get the information would enjoy truth around sound with an audio description mix. So that's just something I would ask all the streaming services to consider um, as we move forward. Okay, well, thank you. Um, I enjoyed Run. I saw Run because I particularly thought that movie out when it came out because I knew that you uh, hired a young actress in a wheelchair purposely. And boy, I thought my mother was tough. Not as tough as the mother in that film. Wow. So so that was uh, a good movie. Thank you very much. Thank you. Glad you enjoyed it. Next, we have HBO. We have Andrew Larkin, who is the Senior Manager of Accessibility. He has 10, they have 10 years of experience working in the media field in, in cable. He might have worked for someone with someone else on this panel at one time in mm-hmm. uh, helping making entertainment accessible. Andrew is also very much involved in um, making the workforce more accessible. And he has had a long history in making digital media accessible for all. And they, HBO is one of the newest uh, streaming services to offer audio description as well. Welcome aboard, Andrew. Thank, thank you so much. Um, and thank you for that <clears throat> lovely introduction. Um, yeah, uh, it's funny that you, you had mentioned before that you had worked with, with Tom, um, because I may have as well. Um, it just goes to show how, um, how tight of a, of a community we can ultimately be. Um, so it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you all. And it's, it's really a pleasure to be here with, with so many other uh, the streaming providers. Um, you know, for those of you that you don't know, for those of you that don't know much about HBO Max, um, HBO Max is the su- successor to um, HBO's um, HBO Go and HBO Now service. Um, and really, it was um, an effort to kind of bring even more great content to even more people. Um, it's really about storytelling and it's really about, you know, focusing on the experience of our, of our viewers and our, and, and making sure that they're, um, they're getting to see some of the best work that they possibly can see. Um, HBO Max does bring together, um, content from HBO, from Warner Brothers, from DC, 
um, from Turner Classic Movies, um, Cartoon Network, and, and, and a lot more. Um, so there's a lot of really great content that's available. Um, I want to, we have a really great team of people. Um, and I, I really want to take a moment to mention um, that among those people, so I can speak a lot to what's going on with HBO and HBO Max. Um, anything that's really about Warner Media at large, um, there's a wonderful person uh, by the name of Janet Ritz, um, who is runs our Accessibility Center of Excellence for Warner Media. Um, and she, I work with her very closely with her, and she's an excellent person, um, you know, to answer questions about uh, some of the other products that are within the Warner Media umbrella. It's a really exciting time for HBO Max. Um, not only have we uh, launched audio descriptions. Um, not only have we um, really, you know, started making some great improvements to the overall accessibility of the experience, um, we've also just um, offered, we've started offering um, a tiered uh, plan so that we offer um, a, an ad experience for $9.99 a month and we offer the ad free experience for $14.99 a month. Um, this really has allowed us to bring the quality entertainment to even more people. Um, we've also just, and this is very exciting, launched in uh, the Latam market, the Latin America market, um, in 39 um, regions, and plans this year to actually extend that to even more in Europe. Uh, so we are growing internationally. Um, I think the big thing that's exciting about HBO Max is that uh, over the last year, since December, um, we have been releasing uh, blockbuster movies, uh, movies, same day as theater release on HBO Max. Um, and one of the things that I think is really exciting about this is that um, all of those films have audio description tracks. And since we in, uh, turned audio description on, um, all of the same day as theater releases have released with audio description tracks. Um, so this means that our customers who are at home who are looking forward to seeing films like Judas and the Black Messiah, um, Godzilla versus Kong, um, In the Heights, Space Jam, which just actually launched this past week, um, can enjoy that content with audio description. Um, we as a company have committed to delivering um, a certain amount of content with audio description. Um, and we, 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 we stood up for that and, and uh, we're gonna continue to do that year over year. Um, we also, uh, are looking into, now that we've expanded into international markets, we are looking into um, also introducing audio described tracks in other languages um, so that our customers in Latin America, in Europe can also experience um, these, 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 this content in the, the language of their choice. Um, currently we support audio descriptions on um, iOS and Android and all of our web platforms. Um, and we've also uh, enabled audio description on um, additional platforms, including Samsung, um, Xfinity, X1, and Flex, uh, Android TV, um, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, um, and also on DirecTV uh, devices. And, um, you know, for us, you know, there's, there's been, it's really been a focus on making sure that we're providing um, really a great experience for our customers. Um, you know, one of the things that was really cool uh, is how I was kind of excited because we had the audio description tracks for In the Heights, which is a musical. 
And we really, it was, and there was an effort to actually make sure that we were creating that inclusive experience um, because, you know, it is such an audible experience, but, you know, there's, and there's so much movement in action. Um, I was actually watching one of the classics the other day, Wizard of Oz, um, which is also, again, you know, very musical. And just seeing some of the interesting ways um, that we were able to, uh, to insert audio descriptions. Um, for example, um, being able to use, uh, you know, lulls in the, in the vocalization, um, ducking the content, the music when we're doing the audio description, and even um, inserting audio description in repeated refrains and verses um, so that we can actually accommodate both the experience and enjoyment of the music, but also um, really kind of give people a sense of that action. To kind of head off your question about the, the text-to-speech, uh, we, we actually um, we actually strive to really have our content voice acted. Um, first and foremost, we're a company, we're an entertainment company. And you know, our value is really to create great entertainment. Um, so it makes sense. Um, you've asked questions about whether or not we actually do uh, provide uh, content in surround sound. Um, all of our audio descriptions tracks are currently in stereo only but there has been internal discussions to actually increase that. Also, you know, whenever, whenever, whenever content, when, because we own a lot of the content, you know, if that content ever does actually, you know, go elsewhere, you know, that we're really committed to making sure that that content is um, being advertised as audio descriptions, because I think that's, you know, really the important part, right, is to make sure that this content is actually that when we are making content available, that we're also, you know, we're highlighting the fact that it has the audio description, um, you know, and we're really committed. I mean, we've come a long way, you know, since we've launched, but we're really committed in actually in trying to get even better. And to that point, you know, we've really invested in making available to our customers um, points of contact through our customer service center. Um, they have received training um, in accessibility and audio description, and are capable of actually answering of capable capable of answering questions pertaining to accessibility and audio description. Um, and, and we also have our help site help.hbomax.com, um, which does um, provide a lot of questions um, and self-help documentations uh, to help assist users in being able to solve common accessibility problems. And we're always updating that. Um, that site is accessible um, by a screen reader um, and keyboard access. Uh, so uh, that is available. And there is an opportunity to do live chat um, through that portal as well. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, you know, HBO Max has really, really made some some really great strides. Um, I'm really proud to to, to work with a company. Um, we have, like I mentioned before, some really really great talent. As a matter of fact, uh, HBO Max is hiring. If if you are looking um, for an opportunity to work in in the industry, and and yeah, you know we we do strive to bring in um, people with disabilities. You mentioned that you know uh, I, I work a lot with equity and inclusion within the company. Um, it's near and dear to my heart. And, um, you know, that is something that is out there. Really, you know, we're, we're constantly launching new content with tracks available. Um, and I really, I think the thing that's been most exciting to watch is the quality. Um, I remember when I was watching uh, Godzilla versus Kong for the first time, um, 
And, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for monster movies. Um, and I, I was watching it. And uh, for those of you that aren't aware, there's one of the characters. Uh, she is, uh, she, she's, there's a little girl who is deaf. Um, and she uses sign language. And so the first thing that you might think to yourself is, how do you handle the sign language? And I watched it. And what we did is we, we actually hired a different voice actor to voice this little girl's signs. Um, so, and, and the signs of, of the other woman in the, in the series that actually was, was signing to her. Um, that to me was something that I was really proud of. I think that it really indicates, you know, that this is not, it's not just enough to narrate. It's really, it's really about creating that entertainment experience that I think is, is really, really important. Um, you know, and I mean, I, I will say, you know, I, I've watched all of the, the Snyderverse films and, you know, take them or leave them in the quality. I, you know, but I, I actually was amazed um, personally because, you know, Batman versus Superman, which is, you know, a cheesy film. Um, when you turn on the audio description tracks, uh, you, you end up with having this, this comic book style narration um, that really adds to the experience. Um, and now we have people, you know, who, you know, who don't rely on technology like audio descriptions, who are turning them on and enjoying these experiences as well. As well. And I think that means a lot. Um, you know, we have a lot of work to do, um, but, and we're going to keep working on it, but I am really, really excited about where we're going and, and looking forward to the future. So Warner Media. Yes. Which is part of HBO Max or HBO Max is part of Warner Media Group. Correct. Cover TBS, TNT, TMC, you know, Turner Classic Movie, TCM, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those, uh, at least one of them, uh, currently part of the CBAA, one of them previously was. And I know that when I was at WGBH, I probably described several dozen movies for Turner Classic Movies. Are you going back and trying to get old titles that were previously audio described to bring over to your streaming service? You know, that, that one is, that one is not something that I can actually speak to personally, you know, okay. um, I will, the, I'm bringing up that's all. Yeah, no, of course. But, you know, I mean, from an HBO max perspective, you know, our goal is to get like, is our goal is to continue to get as much audio description content, you know, as, as possible. Have you thought about sharing your file with HBO so that when they like let's say you do your HBO originals or whatever, when they air on HBO, that they also stream with broadcast uh, with audio description. Is that something that might be on the roadmap? You know, that's another thing that I can't speak to. You're asking, you're asking me the, the, the good questions. Um, and I wish I could say more um, to stuff that's happening on the, the broadcast side um, okay. because it's a really great point. Um, you know, but, you know, like I said, you know, these, the, the, there's these audio description, con you know, tracks, there, we we definitely you know put them out there for for anyone who picks up our original content. You know, an interesting thing that I actually wanted to mention real quick. Um, you know, you you had talked about um, the availability of finding audio description content. Um, one thing I wanted to add uh, that I was very very excited about is that we were actually able to add a category uh, for audio description. So if you go to the HBO Max application, the very first button that you'll find in the interface um, is a browse button. Um, and if you activate that, it brings up a, uh, a, a list 
of different categories. And in that list, there is a category for audio description content. Um, you can find that on our web and mobile platforms and uh, we'll be rolling that out for our other platforms as well. That's great. And thank you uh, as a new player on the scene. You've already done an incredible amount, amount of work. And just because I asked a few challenging questions doesn't mean to all of you on this panel, I am not overwhelmed with gratitude what all of you are trying to do in terms of accessibility and audio description. I'm just mentioning things to think of to improve audio description among all of us on this panel uh, from a blindness perspective. All right, I'm trying to remember who is next uh, alphabetically. I believe that's Marka Pavlakova from Disney. She is the manager of library services and technical services. She has been with Disney for nine years. She is in charge of audio description for Disney Fox features, Disney Plus originals, and others. And when I read that she's in charge of the library, I tell you, I got goosebumps because of the film buff. I can't imagine having access to the original 32 prints with those beautiful cells of those animation from the early Walt Disney days. Wow, that must be amazing to see. So, Mirka, why don't you tell us a little bit about Disney Plus? Hi, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I'm here representing the Walt Disney Company. I work uh, in our library and technical department. I primarily look after audio description files for Disney and now former Fox features as well as Disney Plus Originals and others. Um, Disney has been creating AD for over two decades. And every time I say the sentence, basically Toy Story 2 pops up in my head, um, as that was one of the first titles that went out theatrically for us with audio description included. And this was in 1999, so it's 20-something years ago. Um, and since then, we created hundreds and hundreds of files. So yeah, imagine that library is genuinely huge. <laughs> uh, Disney Plus launched in November of 2019. So it's slightly under two years old. Uh, we launched with audio description already available. But prior to that, we went through a, a set of very extensive evaluations of existing files to ensure quality prior to servicing. And we basically evaluate them from everything, from writing perspective, voice in, to all the way to mix in, um, and basically way more. So because we have hundreds and hundreds of files, uh, the project is very extensive and it's still going. We'll review and evaluate and fix and upgrade and update files all the time because we want to make sure that audio description enhances the content that we stream. and it leaves a lasting impact on everyone. Uh, one other thing I would like to mention is the fact that we also have foreign audio description available on Disney+, Plus, which includes German, French, Parisian, Brazilian, Portuguese, and uh, we just added uh, Latin Spanish to quite a few titles. I believe it was uh, Cruella, uh, Black Widow, and Luca. Um, I think you met uh, Mitch Ginsburg last year, and uh, one of uh, the last latest enhancements is uh, that comes out of Mitch's team is that they worked on uh, adding audio description and CC or closed caption icons to the front page of a title, so consumers can tell right away whether a title has an audio description or not without actually clicking into the title. Um, Disney Plus supports mobile devices, 
web browsers, game consoles, you name it, it includes audio description if the title has audio description. Um, and if you have any issues or if you have any comments, you can also reach us on phone. It's 888-905-7888. And we also have a live chat option um, and it is on help.disneyplus.com. And to also cut out the text-to-speech <laughs> question, uh, we have not ventured out that way. We don't have plans to do so. It is uh, definitely something lucrative to look at. Um, however, we have not uh, ventured out that way just yet. So, Mirka, one of the things that set Disney apart is when they launched was that they went back and audio described your extensive back catalog, for instance, Steamboat Willie, which is, you know, the launch of Mickey Mouse and Snow White, which is the full first full featured length animated movie. I saw a lot of Disney movies as a, deaf, as a kid in the deaf school because at that time you couldn't go to the movies or watch television because there were no captions available. So they actually had, the Department of Education at the time actually had a program where they lent movies to deaf clubs and schools and, and canisters. And um, at six years old, the nun noticed I was into watching the movies and taught me how to load to projector with uh, 16 millimeter film. And it was, then I fell in love with film. I was six years old, responsible for loading the projector, rewinding the film and putting it back in the canister. But I am convinced with all of you on this panel who also oversee captioning, that the caption and the subtitle taught me how to read, write and talk. And, and, and for that, I will be grateful. Regarding Mandalorian, uh, when I watched Mandalorian recently, there were a lot of terminology that I never heard used in the show itself. So did the content creators work with the audio uh, audio describer writer to create the audio description on the show? So that is very brand specific. Um, because Disney is uh, segregated into brands, uh, you've got Pixar, you've got Marvel, We've got Lucasfilms. Uh, every single brand is very heavily involved with audio description and they very much review the scripts. Uh, so to answer your question, yes, they were working together with Lucasfilms to make sure that the terminology is correct. And that was kind of cool because I remember watching it with a, Star, a fellow Star Wars geek and, <laughs> and he didn't, he's like, how, how did they know that's what it's called? Even I, so that was interesting that you actually had consultants involved in the, um, well, the production folks involved in the creation of the audio description. And I think that enhanced the audio description. So that's just something for the other panelists to think about as well. Um, it is also just to let you know, um, every brand is very heavily involved with audio description scripts. Uh, they very much review everything to make sure that everything is correctly described. And um, every single brand takes a lot of pride in it. And I want to specifically call out Pixar because Pixar is one of the brands that puts so much love into audio description. Um, you, can, you can absolutely feel it. Toy Stories and all of the Pixar shorts as well as Pixar features and everything that goes on Disney+. Plus is very much reviewed by Pixar. Um, they also choose their own voices because they like the way certain voices um, 
carry on with the content. So that's another little touch that um, certain brands put on audio description. Uh, and I don't, because I so appreciate the work that needs to be doing, I'm just going to bring up something that many of us in the blind community do wish Disney would do, which is to read the credits of the film. Um, and I know that this has been brought to your attention, but sometimes it's frustrating for me as a film buff not to know who's actually starring in the movie. And I'm not asking for an answer. I'm just saying that that's something maybe the blind community would like to potentially see the credits. And maybe even all, I know, I don't know that any of the streaming services maybe even read the credit of who wrote, which I know you guys do read the credit of who wrote it and who produced the audio description. Because if we see quality audio description, we're probably going to seek that out wherever we see that, just like certain people would follow quality directors, actors, actresses. It's the same thing for us in the world of audio description. Well, Merka, thank you. I'm a huge fan of, of Disney. I, I just went and saw... Um, the movie that came out last week, and I can't even remember the name of it right now. Black Widow? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it, was, it was the first time my wife let me out in public since the pandemic started. But she didn't go with me. She was not about to watch a movie about a female superhero. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed it, and I had a blast. So thank you very much. Next, we have Apple, who uh, Sarah Herlinger, who is the director of Global Accessibility and Initiatives. She had been with Apple since 2003, where she started in education, where she worked to make all learning content accessible to all. Apple has a culture of believing that accessibility is not only a nice to have or must have, but a civil human right for all. She has overseen all areas of accessibility from Apple, from voiceover to accessibility. Uh, you know, audio description and in other areas. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and thank you for inviting me back. I was lucky enough to be on the panel last year. Uh, so always a, a joy to be back around. Um, and I think the, you know, the big thing for us, while I'll get into some of the details, um, if I were to say it in a nutshell, it's that we're continuing to do all of the amazing things we were doing last year and um, <laughs> making sure everyone knows that those things aren't dropping off. So um, and if you kind of look at Apple's work in this uh, arena in two areas, it's what we do with um, you know, the Apple TV app and third-party partners. Um, we're continuing as always, we request AD from our partners for any of our content to add in. Um, definitely would give a shout out to Disney. Uh, certainly the the work that you guys have done, you've been great partners for years, and we've always appreciated how much you do put a, a focus on audio description. Um, and we are always thrilled that from day one, we've been getting um, that material from you. So thank you very much for your work. Um, beyond that, you know, I mean, there are many great partners out there who are doing uh, a wonderful job of providing AD for us. Uh, if you ever find that something you find it somewhere else, but you don't find it on Apple TV, please write to us at accessibility at apple.com and let us know. Um, and we will always go back to our partners and try and uh, suss that out, make sure that we get that material um, on our platform as well. Um, and then the other half of what we do is Apple TV Plus. And for anyone who's not familiar with that, um, Apple TV Plus features critically acclaimed Apple original shows and movies 
that are available on the Apple TV app across all of our devices. Um, our originals all support uh, audio description in nine languages. Um, we support those everywhere that Apple TV Plus is available. So in over 100 countries, meaning you can make the choice as to which uh, version of AD you want, regardless of where you are in any of those countries. So there's no sort of uh, geographical limitation around copyrights and who's running what where. So um, we love sort of those situations where, uh, you know, an American wants the French AD while they're in uh, Spain or something or in Japan or something like that. And that's a, a viable option. Um, we also are providing AD in Dolby Atmos. Um, that was something that was very important to us as we started Apple TV Plus was to ensure that members of the blind community were getting a, um, a an audio experience that was in parity with everybody else. As we know that um, the the audio is an is the incredibly important part um, for many of the members of the blind community. So um, we deliver all of those in Atmos. Uh, we're also providing closed captioning in 41 languages, once again, available in every country that Apple TV Plus is available. And one of the other interesting things that we've done um, for years now, both in terms of our Apple TV Plus content, but also um, for others, if you're a Braille display user, you can get the closed caption track delivered through your Braille display um, so it, it's basically going to media descriptions in the rotor and you can choose between braille speech or both as options. So, um, making that more accessible to the deafblind community as well. And to give one specific shout out to an upcoming, uh, something, we have a movie that is launching on, um, August 13th called CODA, uh, which yeah. stands for child of deaf adults. Um, if you would like to have a show that isn't going to scare the bejeebies out of you and will likely just leave you either laughing or crying for the full two hours, it is an unbelievably beautiful movie that um, actually won the U.S. Grand Jury Prize at Sundance this year, as well as uh, a number of other Sundance amazing prizes and uh, um you know, it's it's just, it's a beautiful movie. So I definitely encourage folks to check it out. I can't wait to see it as a friend of several CODAs. Um, it'll be interesting to see that because they're an unusual bunch of individuals having grown up culturally deaf, even though they're not deaf. And, and, and it amazing. is a, yes. yeah, it's a very poignant story of, of an incredible amount of love that this character has for her family and a lot of, trying to figure out her place in the world. And it's just so beautifully portrayed. So, so highly recommend it. I, I, I just want to clarify a few things for the viewing audience tonight. You said Apple TV Plus, which is your monthly subscription service. And earlier you said Apple TV. So is that what was formerly known as iTunes, where you can rent and purchase movies? Because that also- So now if you- yeah, now if you go on to you know, any of our devices, you will find something called the Apple TV app. And within that, that is where sort of the, the movies, television side of things moved um, out of, of iTunes and, and um, kind of where you would find all of your uh, video material. Because you offer thousands of titles and audio descriptions to rent or buy also. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. And that would be through the Apple TV app. And we have um, been, we, we uh, mark them all with AD and CC um, in the same way that we put out ratings and everything else. You can find it right up front on every title. So then ATB the other night announced a new campaign to get up. I forget what it's called, but it has to do with fitness. One of the things that I've been wondering about is, are there any plans to create audio description for Fitness Plus? Uh, that is a good question. Um, I can't speak to anything being done. You know, I can only speak to what's out there right now, which is they are not currently audio described. I would say a lot of the trainers work really hard to provide descriptions within the material. And I know I was actually just talking to a friend of mine who is a member of the blind community um, who is an avid athlete uh, the other day who said that he has been using Apple TV Plus since day one and focuses on doing the um, the treadmill, elliptical, biking, and rowing. And he's wow. had great success with all of those. Um, but it's a great suggestion. And I'm happy to go back to see if there's ways to augment what we're doing already. Okay, great. <laughs> and I also know that you have made use of uh, blind consultants. I can't remember the gentleman's name right now, but but uh, on the movie C, he's a producer, I believe. Yeah, Joe, Joe Streche. Thank we, you. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, our, our goal with our original content is to try and make sure that um, regardless of whether it's from the inception with the, the scripts and the ideas through the development and the filming to the marketing and then the final you know, how you're viewing it through Apple uh, TV plus or, you know, the Apple TV app um, that we are thoughtful about accessibility and all those levels. And so when we took on the television show C and wanted to, to make it one of the things that was incredibly important to us was, um, you know, first authentic representation of the blind community. I was the first time there was a, a show where basically every character was a member of the blind community. And so it was a great opportunity to, to create a show that the mainstream world would be captivated by and excited and have all of those aspects that people love in shows with you know villains and heroes and uh, lovers and families and you know everything. Um, and but do it all in a way to portray that, hey, that's the blind community, whether it's portrayed as 600 years from now or the world today, um, that the blind community is incredibly robust and uh, vibrant and, and different. You know, everybody's got their own roles in there. They are people like everybody else. So we really wanted to have that authentic representation and then as well. Um, authentic casting and bringing in a lot of individuals in the community to just make sure that we did it right. And I would say Joe was a hugely pivotal part of that, of that bringing him in at the start and getting him engaged on literally every aspect of the making of the show um, really was a huge part of, of the success that we've had. And lastly, the tech to speech at you. Uh, um, I would say from our perspective, we are currently focusing on, uh, you know, a live human being audio description, um, kind of where we are at the moment. Uh, you know, I think, as some people have said, I think no one really knows where the future is going to go, but it's not where we are currently putting our focus. We, we like 
we like the way things are at the moment and the kind of AD that we're trying to, to put out to the world today. Great, thank you. Next is, and Daniel, forgive me if I mispronounce your name ahead of time. Daniel Kosmerick, how did I do? That's great. So you are a senior, you know, and I'm, I'm having a hard time memorizing all the bios, and unfortunately you went last. You are the senior manager of accessibility, no, the senior manager within the global product. Uh, global Division. video supply chain. Global video supply chain, where you work with post-production facilities, TV studios, creative agencies, and internal uh, technology to enhance the content catalog of Amazon. Basically, you're responsible for making sure the content is there and meet the um, a quality uh, Amazon quality standard. And if there's anything wrong with it, it's your fault. By the way, he wrote this. So I'm not saying it's his fault. I just want to state up front, he wrote it. So if there's anything wrong, it's Daniel Coxmerick's fault. He wrote yeah. that last line. Um, <clears throat> Daniel, I know it's been a long day for you because I know you gave an hour and 15 minute presentation right before this, which is why I had you go last so you could sit down and relax and listen to what the others had to say. But uh, Amazon currently, I believe, has, has the most titles. Um, and... Prime Video is a combination uh, annual subscription and a rental and purchase to own service, along with provide an audio description for IMDb TV. Is that correct? Yes. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Carl, for the invitation, and thank you, everyone, for um, your your discussions. I was furiously taking notes and ideas down. Um, I think Amazon, uh, you know, Amazon in the, in the physical world wants to be the everything store and in prime video and the digital space, we want to also be the everything platform. And so we offer content from uh, Amazon studios through a prime subscription as well as well as well as content we license from other great studios as well. Uh, we offer uh, the option to buy and rent content to expand our catalog even further, um, as well as we offer um, subscriptions through um, to alternative uh, broadcast uh, television, other type of content through our channels program um, as well. Uh, and then we also offer uh, IMDb TV, which was a uh, AVOD or advertising video on demand service. So free video, uh, free with ads um, last year. Um, and so we're really trying to do everything uh, with Prime Video. Um, as you mentioned, we probably have the largest catalog of, of all the um, the OTT services, um, as well as um, you know our goal is to be uh, have the largest audio described catalog as well. And so, um, again, if you if you notice uh, audio described content on other services, um, you know we we believe uh, we probably have that title on Prime Video as well in some form or fashion, um, and we want to make sure audio descriptions are there as well. Yeah, I, I can tell you a little bit more about um, kind of our service and what we do. So Prime Video is available in 200 territories across more than 200 devices. Um, our, you know, one of the tenants we have within Prime Video is customers should be able to watch what they want, where they watch on the device of their preference. I have multiple devices at home, you know, different brands, different manufacturers. And, you know, we want to make sure that it's a seamless customer experience across all of those different devices. And that includes for audio descriptions. Um, one of the other things I think that's unique in the player is our player remembers um, you. So if you're watching a player, uh, you know, watching on a title with audio descriptions and you change devices, uh, even change manufacturers, um, our player will remember that your preference is audio descriptions and, uh, you know, start other titles with audio descriptions as well. Um, if they're available. 
Um, we talked a little bit about uh, selection and, and uh, Amazon's activity with uh, audio descriptions. Um, we launched audio descriptions in 2018, uh, 2017, and with that, a commitment that all of our US-based Amazon originals going forward uh, would have audio descriptions available in English. Um, these are professionally produced, human-voiced audio descriptions available. Um, we also work with all of our other uh, uh, third-party uh, studios who provide content to Prime Video to uh, to uh, track down um, audio description tracks and, and recover them and get them on available on the service as well. Um, and then in addition, um, I think the, the big question we've asking is, um, are we using text-to-speech as well? Yes, we looked at the velocity of... Um, of how fast audio descriptions were being created. Um, we looked at the very large back catalog of content um, and we thought, you know, if we were going to uh, really uh, achieve the vision of what our audio description program is within Prime Video, that every single title is described and, you know, audio descriptions are generally as available as closed captions are, um, then we would need to, uh, you know, disrupt how audio descriptions are created. And so uh, we've been working on uh, text-to-speech audio descriptions uh, for um, about a year and a half. Um, to date, we've created, uh, we have over 4,000 uh, uh, text-to-speech tracks uh, live on the service. Um, and, uh, you know, we're continuing to uh, learn and iterate on, on those um, and continue to expand and grow to make selection more available. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions about the text-to-speech process? Yes, yes. So I saw your CSUN presentation that you gave back in, I think it was March. Yes. And so first of all, I will tell you, and this is coming from me, because there are some people that have for text-to-speech within the blindness community and some that are against. So these are my point of view, not the American Council of the Blind's point of view. As a deaf-blind person, I sometimes find text-to-speech hard to hear because there's no uh, inflection and intent in the voice where a narrator can change the voice. So I, I worry about the prosody of the text-to-speech, the clarity of the text-to-speech for those who are hard of hearing. But the other thing is, when I saw your process, it looks like the writer does it all, writes the audio description, chooses the voice, and then publishes it. And I don't know that I want a writer doing the audio mixing if they're not trained in audio mixing, if we want to achieve, say, full surround sound. Or who's going to verify, or is your software, which is going between gaps and dialogue, also taking account that you don't need to cover up gunshot because we are smart enough to know when we hear a gunshot being fired that that you don't need to describe that that sort of so those are just a couple of my thoughts i'm not i do think tech to speech is coming yep. but i do think there's also a way to do it in a way that has a high level of quality yeah um I, yeah i agree and i think that's one of the the fundamental challenges that um we're facing and debating every day as we, we work on this project, right, is is how do we make sure that we keep the quality bar high while really kind of uh, invent and simplifying in terms of how these are created. So um, to address the, the the issue on quality, so yes, we have one person who kind of uh, does everything, the writing um, and the uh, descriptions and the time coding and then directs the, uh, the text-to-speech engine, um, but we have every single track before it's published on the surface, uh, service also goes through a human quality control review. Um, so we are making sure that um, there is a second person involved in the process that, that reviews um, and, and de detects those things that, that uh, you know, the writer may miss, you know, as a person, right? The more iterations you do on anything, the, the better quality product there will be. Um, I think the other thing is, yes, I agree, there can be um, things that um, 
you know machines can't uh, detect. Um, we're trying to uh, simplify um, these these things for the readers by using um, kind of ML uh, uh, logic to actually uh, time code the track for uh, for the writer so that they can focus more on descriptions. But again, they can always override the machine's uh, inputs. Um, and so if they find that the, the machine has uh, recommended uh, descriptions over for gunshots or another you know important event they can they can override that and they can make sure that you know there's no descriptions over that as well um, how, does, how does the software deal with audio ducking uh yeah so so that's the other piece is the mixing um so the uh the scriptwriter isn't actually doing the mixing the mixing is automated as well um, and so it's a separate process um, that, is, that is fully automated. You, you write the script um, and you get live feedback on the audio as you're writing it. Um, but then eventually when it goes into mixing, um, that is automated as well. Um, we definitely realize there as well that it's not as good as you know, a human going through and mixing the track. Um, but we think over time we can build uh, improvements into the track to get it uh, as close um, or as uh, uh, to to you know human quality mixing in the future. Um, the benefit of of keeping everything automated, um, and and that's one of the reasons why we're going fast and we feel a little bit more comfortable about going quickly, is um, all of our tracks are never finished. I think that's an important thing that we can do. We can very easily uh, fix the script uh, and then you know automatically revoice re and remix the track. Um, if if the improvements in text to speech come, we can you know use new text to speech engines to um, you know improve improve the quality of the voicing. And as we're you know making improvements in the automated mixing quality process as well, um, it's very easy to for me to take all four thousand of those tracks um, and rerun them through the new enhanced improvement uh, in the mixing technology to improve the mix as well. So, so what, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So oh, it's definitely, it, we've definitely, um, you know, I think um, broken the process down a little bit, um, which, you know, at the beginning is going to, we, we may lose some of the fidelity that you get when, you know, a group of people, uh, you know, work together in a studio and really go through multiple repetitions of something and iron it out. But over time, we think because we've broken it down, we can, uh, uh, implement, um, you know, improvements in each step um, and iteratively improve the process over the long term. Have Have you done focus group for those who may have a dual sensory loss? Uh, we have not done dual sensory uh, a sensory loss. Um, we did initially did um, a focus group for um, just people who were blind or visually impaired. Um, Two hundred customers, um, and um, they said that uh, just the the summary of the results were that well. Um, 60% uh, of people preferred human voice audio description. 81% okay. uh, of them felt uh, text-to-speech was acceptable. Um, and so, um, you know, what we, again, are really trying to balance is the, uh, the quality um, that you get with a premium human voice audio descriptions with just availability. And that's the tension that we're, we're, we feel like we're walking a fine line towards. So, and what, what's your current policy? Because I, I see that you still releasing, say, original content with yes. human narration. So what's your policy on deciding what gets human narration versus text-to-speech? Yeah, so all Amazon originals will still be human narrated. And if there are existing files out there with human narration, would you request those first before you do text-to-speech? Yes. That's I know of at least one show on your platform that was previously described on another streaming plat platform that has text-to-speech now. Yeah, that, that's definitely our preference. Um, and so before we uh, s submit anything with text-to-speech, we go look 
um, and try to find if it's available. Um, again, because we would then like to, you know, get those files um, or if, human voice, sorry, we would like to get those files from those studios and then redirect our, you know, efforts towards other things that don't have audio descriptions available in the text-to-speech space. Well, again, I want to state for the record that I'm not taking the position of ACB. There are many yep. in the blind community that are excited about the expanded potential for an expanded library with access to audio description. And as you said, there are some that aren't in love with it. And that's because I knew you were going to be on the panel. I'm not trying to be <laughs> hardest on you, but that I was I knew that if I didn't ask these questions, people would say, why didn't you ask these questions? Yeah, so, no, but, absolutely. And the feedback is definitely very appreciated, right? We're, we are a year into this um, and we're, we're still learning along the way. And we, we come to these events to hear from, you know, other panelists and customers and, and get feedback. Um, uh, we're not, you know, we don't think we have all the answers. Um, in fact, we're we're just asking most a lot of questions right now. And I think, um, you know, if we, as we you know continue to ask questions, I think we we may will you know hopefully be able to um, improve this to the point that you know um, it meets almost all customers' expectations. I don't think it may it may not meet everybody's. For some people, text to speech may never be acceptable, um, and that's okay. Um, again, we want to offer this, the options for customers to, you know, use text-to-speech or or not. Um, so, but again, our preference is always that uh, human voice audio descriptions would would be available as a as a first option um, for customers. I guess the concern is that if as text-to-speech becomes more prevalent, why would others even consider hiring human narrators? Yeah, uh, I, I think that's a that's a legitimate concern. Again, we're not trying to replace it, um, but I think that's a business decision that each studio um, needs to make. Right? Again, we don't want the trade off to be between text to speech and human. Um, that's not the trade off we're trying to address. That really, the trade off we're trying to address is between no audio descriptions and text to speech. That's really where we want to focus and, our. And I will say attention. even. Within the audio description on my committee, there are some that are very, very supportive of your approach yep. and some that are not. But um, in my approach, is it, it's coming. So if you do it, let's do it with quality quality control in mind. Yep. Yeah. And, and we're, we're still... Um... Again, we're we're looking at feedback, right? Um, we we started with an initial wave that kind of launched in Q4, and we're still gathering data um, and feedback, um, and you know, looking to refine and improve our processes. So, uh, absolutely, we we know that this is um, this is not perfect. Um, there's a long way to go. Um, and again, I think the the one thing that I think um, about this technology is it's just so easy to to kind of go back and and reopen up uh, tracks and improve them over time. Or even I enjoyed watching Columbo with text to speech the other night because I, you know, hearing about his trench coat and his disheveled hair. And that was interesting because I remember watching those shows as a kid, but I haven't seen them in 30, 40 years. And it was interesting that uh, you went back and did Columbo. So I can appreciate the fact that it will give access to back catalog. But I, as, as a, I think my concerns are more as a person with the dual sensory loss. Um, mm -hmm. And, and that's just something I hope that you consider, because even now when I you talk to me, I'm not hearing every word you say, but you have enough inflection in your voice and I can put enough things in context that I can guess right more than I guess wrong. It's harder to do that when I'm hearing synthetic voice. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, and yeah, I agree. There's, I think, a lot of improvements to come in synthetic voicing, but um, yeah, I think it will be 
a while before it meets the the human quality. But I, but I am happy that you're looking at ways to get more audio description. So I want to end on a positive note. <laughs> and I want to thank you for taking the time to answer some difficult questions and, and hope I wasn't too hard on you. Oh, no, no problem at all. So I want to thank all the panelists. Some of the other things I was asked to think about with the panelists, and I didn't bring up because I didn't think of it at the time, was is anybody think, and I'm just asking people to maybe write notes down, is anybody thinking of the use, say, of extended audio description or alternative audio description tracks for places where there are not, for instance, if you have a musical. So when, when people go to live theater, we get a pre-show with audio description at, before each act. And maybe you create a file that describes all the characters and what they're wearing in the scene so that when we finally watch the movie with audio description, we know what's going on, something, stuff like that. Other things to consider is I hope that there's something in the blindness community called AmeriCast Treaty, where all the worlds in the country have agreed to share accessible literature and books and stuff like that to the blind community. And I think we need to change the paradigm of thinking that audio description is, you know, a First Amendment issue, which I've heard from some to a access to like a wheelchair ramp, like a caption file. So I hope that all the streaming services, all the broadcast channels, all the cable services, all the creative content producers join together and maybe create like a, and this is my wish list, by the way, create like a massive library of audio description files for people to access when they need them. So that you're not always dealing with all these decentralized silo media companies that don't, even within the company, sometimes the theatrical vision may not know that the television division or that the home video division created audio description files when they, even within each company. So those are a few things I would also ask to bring to people's attention. First, I do want to go back to Tom and Martha because those are the only two I did not ask to give contact information. And if they wish to do so, I want to give them the opportunity to... Oh, you too, Daniel. Did you give contact information? I did not. But if, if you want to contact us um, about audio descriptions in particular, the best way to do so is uh, audio-descriptions-feedback at amazon.com. That's audio. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Audio dash descriptions dash feedback at amazon.com. Tom, do you want to give uh, a place where consumers can get in touch with you? Sure. You can send an email to accessibility at comcast.com. And just want to clarify one thing that I said. Uh, we were talking about the difference between free and premium. So there's actually three tiers there's the free version, uh, which gives you access to thousands of hours of TV shows and movies with obviously through ad support. For $4.99 a month, there's ad-supported access to the complete Peacock library, including live sports. And then for $9.99 a month is complete access to the Peacock library without ads. <clears throat> so there you go. Just wanted to clarify that one question that you asked. Okay, thank you. And Martha, did you have any contact information you can share with the community at large? I do, but it's going to take me a minute to find. Okay, it. I'll come back to you. Um, we do have a, so basically we have um, uh, a phone number that's, I was just scrambling to find it. I should have, I apologize for not having it written down. 
we do have um, a phone number on the CBS website, which I can um, uh, save for you. And I think it's a great idea. That's something we can easily, uh, I assume, add uh, specifically on, on Paramount Plus. So we have contact information for closed captioning um, inquiries. And, um, you know, when I saw your questions, that seems like a great thing to add to um, uh, Paramount Plus as well. So what I will do in I will email all of you individually and ask for you to send me whatever contact information you wish me to share with the community at large. And then Janet, who is our convention coordinator, will then send that out to all the participants uh, in the convention. So uh, in the next day or two, I'll be asking for your contact information. All of you give me whatever you want me to share, and I'll put it together in a file for Janet to send out to the community at large. You all did a great job. By the way, and I'm I'm thrilled with all of your commitment to accessibility and audio description. Okay, I, I will I will say that, um, and I mentioned this briefly earlier, but you know, for the questions that I can't answer, um, often the aforementioned Janet Ritz is the person to reach out to. So, um, you know, that would be our point of contact for questions such as those. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for an amazing panel presentation. I want to thank all of you, ACB, and the audio description. Project, look forward to our continued collaboration on creating uh, accessible entertainment platform with audio description for all. And hopefully we'll see some of you back next year. Thank you, everybody. I hope everybody enjoyed this. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.